Thanks for joining us. This is Bob from Be Greaseful with 2Ls.com, and this is our official podcast where we talk about how loved you are. Hey, this is Bob from Be Graceful with 2Ls.com, coming to you live here from Arveda, Arvada, California, Colorado. We're in Colorado. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm still in Colorado. I'm here with Reverend Sam. Uh, we're hanging out, and um, I'm really super blessed by this guy. Uh, I, you know, and we, we talked a little bit in the last episode about, you know, introductions and stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, it's funny because you were mentioning the whole lonely road thing. And uh, for me, it, um, I would say it is an extremely lonely road. You know, um, it was actually 30 years ago. This is 2021, right? Yeah, okay. Yes, I am in Colorado, but no, I haven't been smoking anything. I, I do know what year it is, or at least my name. Uh, but it, so, um, so yeah, but at any rate, um, it's been 30 years since I've been sharing this. And I do remember, like, you know, I've lost family. I've lost friends. I've lost um, um, some people who are really close to me. And, but it is a bit of a lonely road. Um and so, you know, I'm just kind of curious. I'll just put it out there. I, I know we were going to do something different in this episode, but I've, I've never been one that follows scripts very too well. Um, so um, can you tell me a little bit about your lonely road as far as grace goes? So for me, it was uh, it started uh, about 30 years ago uh, going to pastor uh, a little church in Blooming Prairie, Minnesota, a mm-hmm. uh, small town of maybe a thousand, something like that. And I was called to serve this church. It was a congregation of just renegade people that had left a church and the other churches and uh, some were fundamentalists, some were, they they were just from, they were just this ragtag group of people that were, um, had a house church. And so they wanted to form as a congregation and I was their their pastor. And uh, they were, they were reading a book and I, I just, I grew up Pentecostal. And uh, so uh, this group of people were not Pentecostal. They were not charismatic. They were just a a group of believers. But they were unbelievably different from any group that I'd ever been with. So especially growing up Pentecostal. And they were, when I got there, they were reading a book called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. Hmm. And by, by a four square minister in Washington named Jerry Cook. And I had never heard of him, and he had this this profound teaching on love, acceptance, and forgiveness. They were already into that. I mean, they were, and they were not only reading the book, they were trying to live it. Wow. And so here I was, a young pastor, uh, in my first senior pastorate, and I walk into this group of people who were just, they were trying to understand and live grace. That was my first step into it. So I had this uh, church that was, these people were trying to be uh, grace-oriented and in a, in a, in a radical mm. way, yeah. and it, which, which blew me away. I, wasn't, I had never heard of that. I never, I just was, I grew up with grace's uh, you know, unmerited favor. And these people were, took it a whole different level of what grace was. And it, for them, it was love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And uh, so I started reading that book, and I still, and that pastor, Jerry Cook, has passed away since then, but I still read it every single year. Wow. And it's still a very real part of what I try to do. 
And so, uh, you know, they, they were different from anything, I, a group of people I'd ever been around, a church group. And they were just, they were just trying to live it. And it was, some of it was radically different from anything I had ever seen. And when I would talk to other pastors or other, other uh, leaders in, in my denomination, they didn't get it. They mm. just thought I was either not in control of my congregation and I wasn't trying to control them. And, and uh, I was just, we were just trying to live out grace. And uh, it, it kind of, it, it sets you apart from everyone else. Not in, in, a, not in any way that you can pat yourself on the back and, and go, hey, I'm a great guy. It's like you look completely different from everybody else. Yeah. Because grace is, your, is, your, is what's driving you yeah. from day to day. And Jerry Cook in this book, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, I still buy it. Every, every month I go on to, because I give them away and give them away. I go on to thrift books or some used bookstore. And if I find them, I'll buy as many as I can yeah. and give them to people and tell people this is what grace really looks like. Yeah. And it's pretty shocking because yeah. it, it has, you know, it has yeah. nothing to do with yeah. measuring up. It's just saying, I'm going to love you right where you're at, exactly the way you are. And, and I'm not going to ask you to change. You know, one of the words that you use there that I really love that I just kind of want to want to want to touch on and <clears throat> is that word control. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's really funny because, I mean, as I look back on what I feel like are the greatest grace teachers really in the world. I mean, you know, Jesus, uh, Gandhi, um, uh, Paul, um, Martin Luther, um, you know, I mean, you know, basically, I mean, if, if the religious person was talking, you'd say basically find the biggest assholes on, on the planet or in history. Um, but, you know, it was these people that just like they, they were not about control. And at the, at the other end of the spectrum, if you will, I find that the people who were literally the biggest assholes on the, on the planet were always about control. I mean, you know, for me, and I guess if we were going to look at this from a historical context, because I'm kind of a his- history buff, you know, you have the Great Crusades. You have the Grand Inquisition. You have, and the Grand Inquisition, by the way, just in case you, I mean, because yeah, we didn't really learn this. That mm-hmm. lasted like 400 plus years. Yeah. <laughs> 400 plus years. Um, the Great Crusades. I, what, 400, 300, 400? I mean, they were like off and on. I mean, it's, I guess it depended on who the uh, who the person was in, in Rome or whatever. But I mean, it, and so there was all of this. I mean, there was, there was slavery. You know, we, we know that we got the Southern Baptist Church because they were broke away from the other Baptists because by God, we're going to support the whole slavery thing. And I, and I know that this is beyond the social justice thing, but it's like, here it is for me. This is just kind of like, and, and because you mentioned this, the more we try to control people, the less grace we have in the equation. Right, right. And the, the, the less we try to control people and the more we accept people, like, you know, like this book is say, talking about, the more we try to accept people, then the more grace is evident. Because one of the things that, and it blows people's minds, but I'm just like, look, look would you just show me the scripture where God told the Samaritans to stop being sinners? I mean, sinners by the Jewish equation, not right. by anything that we would know today. Um, show that to me. You can't find it. In fact, the only person that Jesus allowed to be called good was what? A Samaritan. A Samaritan. A Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, guys, I don't think you understand. The Samaritans were evil 
people from certainly from the Jewish perspective, and they certainly weren't no choir boys compared to what we would call. You know, I mean, these were talk, we're talking about people who are, as a general rule, polyamorous. Um, as a general rule, they were. Uh, I think they have like three books in their Bible or whatever. I mean, they're, we're not talking about people who were like you know Sunday go to church Christians or whatever we used to call them. Um, I mean, these were people that were had a pretty wide open box of who God was. Um, you know, with that in mind, but I did, I mean, I didn't want to interrupt your story because you were talking about it being lonely. And I do want to get in the whole idea of the, of our individual God box or divine box or divinity box. But so you're at this church, you're teaching, um, you know, love, acceptance and forgiveness. And where does it go to for, for Sam Lopez? Where does that go to from there? So one of the things I was, I wanted, what caught me in that book and, and I'm, I'm just going to read it because I, it's still something I read. And this pastor, Jerry Cook, would regularly find somebody in his congregation and would make this statement to the, the uh, this person. And, and uh, it's, I mean, it just blows me away because I, I want to live this. And, and this is what I say to people is this is the most difficult thing you can do. This is not easy. This isn't a, a one, two, three paragraph and boy, I got it. I'm, I'm, I got grace all nailed down. But he would regularly read this and I, I read it all the time. He called it the forever love commitment. Hmm. And uh, he would say, I want you to know that I'm committed to you and you will never knowingly suffer at my hands. I will never say or do anything knowingly to hurt you. I will always in every circumstance, seek to help you and support you. Uh, if you're down I, and I can lift you up, I'll do that. And anything I have that you need, I'll share with you. And if need be, I'll even give it to you. No matter what I find out, and this is the big one right here. No matter what I find out about you, and no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change. And there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to respond. I love you, and that's what it means. That is grace. Wow. And uh, I think uh, the biggest thing is that as believers, as Christians, um, we can't, that's impossible. Yeah. It's, it's almost virtually impossible. You have to live that out every single day. You have to make that commitment to say, I'm going to love somebody that much yeah. where I'm going to, you know, there's nothing you can say that's going to make me stop loving you. And that's where you just walk into the ugliness of a person's life, the pain in a person's life, and you say, I still love you. Yeah, and, and I think we both got kind of choked up on that yeah. because um, I don't think either one of us grew up with that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say, you know, oh my God, my, you know, I was, you know, my dad was a bad person or my mom was a bad person. It's not, it's not, I, I hate labels. I really do hate labels, you know, like bad. What the hell is bad? <laughs> I mean, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I had a bad, you know, whatever. I, it's just, it's, that's just a label. Um, you know, so, I, but wow. I mean, that's, that's powerful and that's so very powerful. And so in the midst of all this, you know, I, I guess people think that I'm somewhat anti-church, and I am. Um, so, I, you know, let's just take that off and get right to the point. Um, I'm not anti the church as far as like, for me, the church is like the idea of everybody who believes that love is the goal, is one body. 
And that doesn't matter where you're from, you know, whether you have one wife or 10 wives or whether you have, you know, whatever the case may be. But um, that's an amazing statement that that guy made. But so I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, somewhere along the line, because I think Paul kind of had his shit packed. You know, I think Paul had his shit together. But I, I think that where we lost something, my dad used to say the worst thing that ever happened to Christianity is it became legal. Um, but I, I think that uh, somewhere along the line, we missed the mark. And instead we started like, well, we got to convert people. And the funny thing about that is that's nowhere in the New Testament. Yeah, it, it's it, nowhere. I mean, I don't see it. Even in this, this church... Uh, or this in the book because I've never been to that church and uh, it's a matter it's it's about people it's not about institutionalizing it because once you try to institutionalize it and say we are the love acceptance and forgiveness church yeah it becomes an institution and then you legalize it you organize it you plan it you you codify it yeah and it's not real yeah. this takes real blood sweat and tears yeah with people's lives it it this takes sitting there in the down and dirty with the ugly and learning how to love people not convert them yeah but love them right whether it's you know a person in whatever condition they are in your life that's that's the conversion here's my my feeling the conversion happens in the person who's learning how to love that way that's wow. the conversion not in the person that's sitting there in your office or your church broken, you know, and uh, the conversion happens in, in our heart where we go, I got to love that guy. Yeah. You know, that's a beautiful thing. The conversion is actually the, the point of becoming a loving human being. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's a really beautiful thing. I mean, I really like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I really, really like that. Um, I think one of the other things about grace is that I, I've never met two people of grace that agree on everything. And, you know, and I, it's really kind of funny because it's like, I don't see that from religious church people, you know? Um, so I just don't see that, you know, it's like somebody the other day jumped on me for saying something or for saying the divine or well, why do you say meditate instead of prayer? I don't know, some shit like that. And it's just like, you know, I, it's just like, dude, why do you effing care? Mm -hmm. I mean, why is that such a big fucking deal to you? Because that's what bothers me the most is like, so we're talking about this and we're aiming on this instead of looking at the people that are hurting, instead of looking at the people who, who are literally committing church assisted suicide. Yeah. And I, I think for me, that's what keeps bringing me back to the reality of like, you know, just shut the fuck up and love. And I don't really know how else to say that uh, because I just get so fed up with, well, you know, you should do this. I, I remember like I was in this counseling treatment center. I was actually in two different counseling treatment centers for those of you who know my story. But I remember going to this, this um, you know, support group afterwards. Um, and I remember like this one guy, he always used to say, don't let them should on you. And, um, and I think that, that, that hearing that repeatedly was kind of like part of like, for me, it was part of my road to grace. Um, so... You're in this church, then you, you go to another church, or what happened But what happened to kind of get you to the point where you were no longer in? So I, I went from that church uh, to um, really have a passion, having a passion for a church that was different. Hmm. So I went to uh, an Assembly of God church, 
here in downtown Denver. I went from there to back to Denver, this Assembly of God Church in the inner city. And uh, <clears throat> I wanted a church that was just crazy weird is, is what I wanted. And <laughs> we, we started feeding homeless people because we had this huge, huge building and this beautiful hall and kitchen. And uh, it was uh, this old hundred year old Baptist church that had stained glass and it was, it was just beautiful. And I envisioned it, envisioned it uh, filled with uh, homeless people, uh, yeah. whatever. And so uh, it was right on South on uh, Lincoln Street. So if you're from Denver, you know that. And when I was pastoring there, it was called North, it was North Washington Park uh, neighborhood. But we had all kinds of gay bars and uh, gay stores. Uh, and then all the homeless people wandering the streets. There were adult bookstores, and here was this beautiful old Baptist church, and I envisioned it filled with all those people. And so uh, we just started feeding people. And it was right after, I think it was the Iraq War. It was very short. And so the food bank started allowing us to, as churches to go in and get pallets of food. I mean, pallets. Oh, wow. And so we were picking up pallets of food, and we wound up feeding 250 homeless people. And it wasn't just homeless people. It was homeless people, neighborhood peoples, you know. And uh, just feeding them and not, hmm. and not feeding them, and they had to come through the line and get uh, a plate and go sit down or a tray. Um, we sat with them. We had family-style dinners uh, every single Monday with these 250 people. Wow. And... Uh, and and I, I mean, I got a, a clothing, a, a blanket company in Faribault, uh, Minnesota to donate a, I said, I thought they were going to donate a few blankets and they donated a semi-trailer full of <laughs> <laughs> wool blankets before the winter. And the, the alleys of, of Denver looked like a tent city of these wool blankets down the street. And then I'd have business owners of the bars calling saying, Will you stop giving those blankets away because they want to trade them for booze? And, and uh, so, uh, but I just, I had this passion to live it out. Yeah. I didn't know how to do it. I was just a, you know, uh, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a good church with a great pastor. I, I didn't have a bad church experience. I loved being in church. For me, in the way I grew up, a church was, that church was the most normal thing in my life, growing up in a broken home. But I wanted to live, I really felt that was living out the gospel. That was what love and acceptance and forgiveness was really about. And, and so, and, and I remember having my uh, uh, Assemblies of God uh, leaders come to visit the church and they couldn't wrap their head around a church full of, you know, uh, drug addicts and, and alcoholics and, yeah. and street people and gay people and, uh, you know, prostitutes that were coming to church and people, just people. And I never had to beg for people to come and help serve meals. People just showed up and, you know, it, it was just the craziest thing, but I wanted to live out that love, acceptance, and forgiveness in everything that we did. Wow. And there are people that couldn't. They were yeah. like, this is, man, this isn't church. This isn't yeah. the church that I grew up in. And uh, and they would leave. Yeah. And I, I want to touch more on that, uh, but, uh, I really want to touch more on that because there's two words that you said, you know, gospel and the whole idea of the church you grew up in. Mm -hmm. um, and that to me spells tradition. And 
I, I think that tradition is, has held man back in so many ways. I mean, if we stuck with our original traditions, we'd still be in caves. You know, and, and so I think that there's a point where you have to grow. And uh, it's interesting to me that every time that grace kind of pushed man to grow, there was something there to push back. Um, whether you're talking about Jesus and the Pharisees, whether you're talking about Martin Luther and the church, whether you're talking about, um, you know, Gandhi and, and the British, um, you know, I mean, Martin Luther King, for God's sake, and, and pretty much every, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, um, so it's interesting to me when you talk about that, um, what that looks like. And um, I'd really like to do a deep dive into that as well. But I know this episode's getting kind of long, and so I just kind of want to want to stop this and just say a very special thanks to my amazing, amazing friend, Reverend Sam, and we'll pick up where we left off. Thank you for being here. <laughs>